1: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: Hello and welcome to Off the Beaten Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I sit down with Abby Pharrell and it's a wonderful chat. I got introduced to Abby by a former guest, Nick Corbin of New Street Adventure, uh, who set up a new record label, Big AC Records, and one of his first signings is Abby. So we talk about the the upcoming release and we also talk about all the usual gubbins and uh, we go into all the songs that have been important in Abby's creative journey this far. Before we get on with the episode, just a couple of thank yous. Thank you to Scroobius Pip and my buddies at the Distraction Pieces Network. Thank you to 76 for producing this podcast. And and also, if this is your first time listening to Off The Beaten Track, then go and have a, a look in the archives when you've finished listening to today's episode and, and get stuck into some of the, the 200 or so shows now that are available featuring my chats with the likes of Chuck D from Public Enemy, Chic, blimey. Uh, actors such as Maxine Peake, Amanda Abington, uh, James Lavelle. You can hear me to James Lavelle. Um, gosh, uh, Butch Vig. Uh, yeah, there's a stack. So go and have a, a rummage in the archives and see if there's anything that, that tickles your fancy. I'm sure there will be. And also you can support the podcast uh, in many ways. Uh, you've got the option uh, to uh, support us via uh, Stripe, uh, which is in the bio if you uh, you click this on uh, on Acast. And as well as that, if you'd like to um, get access to four extra shows a week, uh, radio shows which feature a mixture of songs and chat from myself, then um, you get that and video episodes and all sorts of stuff over on Patreon. And, uh, and it's the Patreon that really helps kind of keep this podcast moving because it is a labour of love. So uh, from as little as about 80p a week, you can support the podcast uh, and get a whole body of stuff each week as well as uh access to you know a good few hundred shows in the back catalogue as well so uh yeah you can find out all about that and all about you know merch and and everything else that we're up to on www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com let's get back to today's episode please enjoy off the beat and track podcast with abby farrell it's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network with me, Stew. With we are recording. Hey, doing, Abby?
2: I'm all right, thanks. Yeah, feeling good. Um, had had a nice little walk today. I've been working from home, so yeah, it's been a nice, wholesome, wholesome autumn day. <laughs> How are Lovely.
1: you? Lovely. I'm all right, thanks. I'm all right. I've um, I've not recorded an off the beaten track for a few days, so I'm looking forward to talking about records. Me uh, too. So how difficult did you find it to whittle down your answers?
2: I found it really tough. I, I felt like I had quite a few contenders for each one, um, spanning lots of different genres as well and relating to different parts of my life, um, especially the clubbing one, because it's like that could mean clubbing in my 20s. It could mean, like, you know, when I was a lot younger. Um so it was, it was really tough, but I found as I was, you know, had a little bit of time to think about it and I've sort of, I think I've made the right decisions. We'll see. <laughs> we will
1: see. Okay, track one. What do you regard as the song with the greatest ever intro?
2: So I feel like I'm cheating with this one because it's not technically an introduction in that it's not all instrumental on the introduction. Um, but I've gone for Somebody Else's Guy by Jocelyn Brown. Because I just absolutely love this song. It's a song I've sung a lot since I've been singing, sort of over the last, God, like 12 years now. Um, it always gets a crowd just in the mood to party. Um, it's a, yeah, just a complete crowd pleaser. And I think because the intro is so long and drawn out and it's got that build and it's got like the those gutsy piano chords underneath it... Um, when that like fun little drop comes in, it just makes it, I just think it makes it that more, that much more impactful and just makes you want to kind of groove. So that's definitely a real feel good song for me. And it's kind of, it's taken on a bit of a new meaning in my life as well, because um, it was the song that I sung at a jam night back in February when I first met Nick Corbin, who I've co-written, who you spoke to a little while ago and who I've co-written, um, my next single with and it was sort of the song one of the performances because we were we were sort of seeing each other perform for the first time um it was one of the songs that we sort of bonded over and it was a talking point and you know just sort of got us chatting about our love for soul music really so yeah it kind of takes on different meanings at different points in my life and I just think it's a wicked tune
1: and so um I mean, just just to sort of fill in the the, the blanks there as well. Nick um, was on the podcast episode uh, come out a while back. Uh, I I, just, I sort of came across um, Nick through him fronting New Street Adventure at the time, and mm. he's, he's since gone on to record uh, stuff as as, as himself um, aside from a band. Um, and he set up a label, Big AC Records, which he's named after a New Street song, I believe. Yeah. Um and. Yeah, I got I got approached by him and said uh, I'm working on this amazing record with this amazing young lady. Would you talk to her? So I was like, send me some stuff. Let's have a listen. And uh, it must have been good because we're here and we're chatting. And, uh, and you, you've you just been kind enough, literally about 15 minutes ago, to send me the the, the, the new single. Um,
2: yeah, it's
1: amazing.
2: Thank you, thank you so much. I'm really. I'm really grateful to to be on here actually. Obviously you've had some incredible <laughs> some greats on on this one. Um I was listening to your episode with Mick Talbot earlier and um the other day I was listening to the episode with Mel C. so you know it feels like a complete honor and excitement to be on here. <laughs> um but yeah, but we're really excited for everything that's to come with Big AC and it's it's lovely just to have um have something to focus on at this strange time I suppose a sort Definitely. of creative collaboration um between myself Nick and Sophie so yeah good vibes all around.
1: So how do you like up until you've been working with Nick did you generally sort of found like songwriting something you do on your own or have you always kind of worked for people?
2: Yeah a bit of a mixture really um so I released my first EP late last year and the songs on that were a real mixture of songs that I'd written independently but then co-writes with people that I'd met either at university I went to uni in Birmingham um or people I'd met in London that then eventually sort of um you know joined me in my band in for live gigs and things like that so it it really varies songwriting is is either a very sort of solitary uh thing for me where I just go into my own little zone and just see what comes out at my at my keyboard um, so it, it's it's quite a new thing although I have co-written with people before it was quite a new thing to work with someone a bit more established who'd already you know who already had an artist project and um, I mean I already had an artist project but kind of someone who's very much kind of on a certain scene and um, is doing really exciting things and that can bring new opportunities to to myself where I've, where I've potentially not had those before because I've been starting out, I suppose. Um, So it feels lovely in that sense.
1: Wonderful. For track two, Abby, I'm going to ask you the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please.
2: Yeah. Um, so, So some of these songs, I feel like I grew up on so much soul music from the 60s, so much Motown, and you would think that one of those tracks would be, you know, one that had... a a sort of profound like emotional impact on me um but the one I've gone for is actually a a pop tune so I've gone for The Voice Within by Christina Aguilera um because yeah so when I when I was little I had I suppose I had two types of influences and that was the sort of soul stream the sort of 60s and 70s soul and rock stream coming from my mum who would always have um tunes playing in the house and then my brother at the time um who so he's 11 years older than me so at the time he was gosh whenever this song came out when the voice within came out I was eight and he was 19 so I would also get this stream of kind of these strong female pop singers that have also I think impacted my writing and my probably my vocal delivery and that sort of thing um as I've gone through and as I've performed more um but I remember just being like eight years old and being sat on the floor, like where I am now, which this used to be in my brother's room, it used to be like all blue. Um, I remember being sat on the floor, finding this Christina Aguilera CD, the uh, stripped album that um, he'd, he'd obviously bought with like his first job, his first set of wages or whatever and thinking, "Oh, I'm going to give this a go. Um, And the voice within, I just, I remember putting it on and the first line is literally um, young girl, don't cry. I'll be right there when your world starts to fall. And I remember being, I was quite a shy, reserved kid, and I remember hearing it and thinking, oh, I feel really reassured and I feel really looked after and I feel really seen by this. It sounds really cringy now. I look back and I'm like, okay. oh, that's really cringy. Um, but when there's this this really glamorous, established singer who's, you know, staring back at you on the CD cover, because, um, you know, I still, I'm 26, but I still come from that generation of like buying your music physically. Mm -hmm. Um, Like yeah, I just remember feeling really comforted and it's such an uplifting song um, that got me thinking as well about the idea of selfhood and the idea of, you know, there is this kind of little voice inside me. And there is, you know, just the idea of you've that that idea of kind of not knowing who you are, because you don't know who you are at eight years old, but just cottoning on to the idea that we've got a self inside us and um you know we've all got kind of hopes and dreams and ambitions and things. Um so that that really struck a chord with me and it, and it was one of the songs that I would then start to sing in in my own time as well. Um so one of the songs that I would that I would practice to and then sort of you know got my confidence up and whatever in the house. I think I sang it at a school talent show when I was like eleven or something. How,
1: um, how was that? But even
2: when it all right, I think. Yeah. It's kinda of, kinda of scary. Um I was very shy when I was younger, so it took me a while to kind of build up my vocal confidence, I suppose. Um but yeah, but I just remember it kind of really really striking a chord with me and really it, it was the first time as well that I thought that perhaps I might want to sing one day. Um yeah, being eight years old was sort of the first time I remember you know first time I remember thinking that um and I I actually I saw Christina perform live last November um and when that song came on I just wept because it it sounds so like wet and silly and cheesy because it's this massive pop song but um it just reminded me of everything I wanted to do when I was little and um I grew up in quite a small village which is which is lovely and you know really like supportive and lovely community but so I grew up in a little village called Tiddington in Oxfordshire. It's where I am now for mm-hmm. lockdown too. Um, and it's lovely. Like, it's a really supportive community. But when I was much younger, I definitely couldn't wait to get on to something bigger, to mm-hmm. get to a bigger city or to get to – I mean, I studied in Birmingham and then I've lived in London for three years. Um, but um, why, why is that? Because yeah.
1: that was the very essence of, of me setting this podcast up. And hence, the, the, you know, the name off the beaten track was, you know, the initial kind of focus for this podcast was going to be, I was going to do this regionally because um, living in in Essex, you know, we're, mm. we're on the cusp of London, but so many people that I know that have, you know, whether they're bands, whether they're artists, photographers, they move to London. And I'm always fascinated as to why people do that. You know, is it like, why did
2: you, was it opportunity? Yeah so I I finished uni um I studied history for 4 years I bloody loved loved it um and the first job offer I got lo and behold was I mean I've always loved music and I was I was either going to pursue like a um almost like you know artsy museum assistant route for post uni or I was going to go after like label assistant music industry kind of junior role and the first job offer I got was for an internship at Sony Music so suddenly it was like, oh, they want me to start in October, so I'm, you know, I'm gonna have to gonna have to move there. Um so it, it was I very much went to London to well in the first place to to do that internship. Um and then throughout that year I had a wicked opportunity to assist on lots of different releases for their roster at the time. Um I was doing a little bit of singing but not a great deal. Um and throughout I was kind of thinking to myself I'd much prefer to pursue that artist route um rather than being on the sort of operational marketing side. Um so that was really pivotal for me I suppose. Um so yeah, it's kind of, you know, initially went to London for that job offer and then I've I've just stayed put where I've met lovely people along the way and had musical opportunities and stuff. So yeah.
0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: Well, let's go back uh, for track three. The song reminds <laughs> you of your time at school, please, Abby.
2: Yep. Um, so this one... This one is really special to me. And actually, it's strange because I... I was thinking to myself, you would think it would be like a massive pop tune. So I was at secondary school between 2005 and 2012. So there were massive tunes like "Umbrella" by Bri- by Rihanna and you know "Halo" by Beyonce. Like most of her massive albums were out when I was that age. Um, but the one that really sticks out in my mind and that actually takes me right back whenever I hear it um, is "Son of a Preacher Man." The Dusty Springfield version because it was one of the first songs that I ever sung live and it was the audition song um, or one of the audition songs that you could choose from when you were auditioning for the school soul band which was kind of the main it was the main musical opportunity out there if you were musical at all and thinking back it's kind of bizarre because I mean, I'm sure there were, like, mini orchestras and things, but we just went to this... It was just this normal, like, ordinary comprehensive um, in, like, Holton, in Oxfordshire. And, like, there mustn't have been much budget at all. But what I find amazing is that there was this 10-piece or 11-piece soul band that you could audition for, um that would meet every Friday afternoon. You had like two hours in this big drama room that stank. I don't know why drama rooms always stink so much. Um, so yeah. So I remember my music teacher saying, you know, a few of the, um, a few of the singers in the soul band are are leaving school. So we've got a few slots opening up. Do you fancy coming along? Here's the, here's the audition song list, learn one of these. And I think it was like, I wish by Stevie Wonder, son of a preacher man and something else. Um, and I picked Preacher Man because I knew it from my mum playing it around the house um, since I was I was tiny and I thought, we'll oh, give that one a go. Um and yeah, just the just the intro and the warm, just the warmth of it takes me back to standing in this like, you know, this great big drama room with some of my best mates. Um but also it takes me back to the ner- like the sheer nerves of like being this shy little girl. Um who knew she wanted to sing somehow, but wasn't quite sure what was going to come out of her mouth at the time. Cause that's re- that's really how it felt when I got started. Um,
1: you didn't exactly pick like an easy song to start with either. It's quite ambitious going for dusty in it right from the off.
2: <laughs> well, this, this is the thing, but I, in my I remember thinking at the time, like, Oh, this one's a bit of a bit more of a chilled one. So, you know, there's nothing too taxing in there. And now I'm thinking, bloody hell, like that was bullshit of 14 year old me or however old I was. Um, so yeah so that that just takes me right back to um the the nerves and the that feeling of can I do it can I pull yeah. it off like are all the,
1: did all the you, uh, mums in
2: the audience gonna
1: did you like deliver it? it with uh some some dusty drama as well was there uh was there flamboyant uh dusty hands and uh and stuff because, definitely uh, not the reason was I don't know if you've ever seen the, the documentary on Dusty on the iPlayer it's, it's phenomenal yes. and yeah, yeah
2: yeah love that
1: one just hearing about the fact that because I'm a huge Dusty fan and like oh. and and hearing about the fact that she'd have the lyrics on the back of her hand so when she'd do these big dramatic things <laughs> it was all the words on her hand which I thought was amazing uh, uh, yeah what a, what a vocal so I mean I was about to say, like you know, was was the creativity sort of encouraged at school? But I mean, the fact that there weren't just like you know a kind of little sort of four piece school rock band, there was a twelve piece soul band. I mean, that's yeah. that's impressive. A uh, comprehensive. It is. That's amazing.
2: Yeah, like like thinking back to it, I don't know, I don't know how it started. Like, was it one person who just stood up one day and was like, "The school needs this thing." Um, but it, it was like, I think it was in its like fourth fourth or fifth year of existence by the time I came to be in it. So a lot of, so like the older kids that were like 17, 18 were on their way out. So it yeah. made way for us younger ones to kind of come up through it. Um, but yeah, I, I still, I'm still really grateful for that actually, because I don't think I'd have got the bug as much without it, or I wouldn't have had a platform at such a young age Um with limited resources. Cause I, you know, I come from a low income family. So it's like, there was always room to sing at home, but like I, I wasn't having piano lessons or dance lessons or all of this. It was very much like, you know, it was that free opportunity that just gave me that platform and gave me that outlet when I was a dot. So, yeah.
1: You said you was a, you know, a shy, a shy kid and like walking out on stage and singing son of a preacher man I mean, you know, for, for a lot of people that will probably wouldn't even see themselves as being shy, they would see that as something, I could never do that. Did you have confidence in your abilities, though?
2: I think so, yeah. Um, I think there was... My initial confidence probably came from the fact that my, my mum, like I said, like, my mum had played the song a lot. Um, I knew that I could carry a tune because I'd sung a little bit in, like, primary school. Um, in plays and things, um, but also weirdly, the comfort of having that many musicians behind you um, was brilliant because you know that even if I remember thinking, you know, even if I can't make this note as loud as possible, um, you know, there's like a four-piece brass section over here. So, and I'm, and I'm with my friends, so it was a really supportive atmosphere. And you and I always felt like my music teacher. He was called Dr. Foster. I always felt like he had my back as well when he was sort of an advocate for, you know, get up and sing. Um, So it was a gradual thing, really, getting getting that confidence.
1: Track four. The first song you (laughs) remember buying from a record shop. A record shop. You're 26. A CD shop. A CD shop. I know.
2: (laughs) This one's tricky because... And I I honestly feel like such a phony, like, listening back to all these, you know, these incredible first-hand accounts of your guests talking about, you know, um, going into a record store and buying Baby Love and whatever. (laughs) Um, And here I am, like, muggins. Um, But... um, So there's one that... It's a tricky one. So I can't actually remember going into a record shop, um, which would have been like HMV on Corn Market Street in Oxford, I can't actually remember going into a record shop to buy something until I was like in my teen years. So in my early teen years, I was listening to a lot of um, like The Cribs and White Lies and everything, everything and Foles. I had a real like indie phase in, in my early teens. So I'd buy quite a lot of those albums in HMV and I remember kind of stocking up on the back catalogues and things um but the first the first um cd that i actually owned was um spice the first album by the spice girls um and i can remember it being really really important because my um i mean i was just like a massive massive fan i think any little girl like you know mid to late 90s would just go absolutely berserk seeing them on the telly um I was obsessed with sporty spice. Um, <laughs> honestly, like I just, I, I just got so excited and I still remember that excitement of just like sitting in the middle of the carpet downstairs in the, in the house I'm in right now. and just like staring at Top of the Pops. Like, oh my God. Like this is just so special. I want to, I want to be up there and you know, um, and I remember my nan and granddad coming around on Friday nights for tea and, my nan sitting in the corner of the room, and like I'd get her to pretend to be the DJ, and she'd press play on on the album, and we'd just bop about to. I think the the singles on that are like "Wanna Be," "Say so You'll Be There," "Who Do You Think You Are," um, and maybe one other that I can't think of. And We'd have these plastic echo microphones, and we kind of just bop about together. Um, so that's that's the first one that I actually owned, um, but the first one that I actually I think asked to buy with my pocket money, probably in like Asda, was Baby One More Time by Britney, um, which I had on a little cassette. We've probably still got it somewhere. And I remember taking it into probably my like year one class at school and being so proud because that was such a banger. So um, yeah, the the, the sort of, the female driven pop music that was around sort of, you know, from the tail end of the 90s to probably the mid 2000s was what initially got me hooked on you know, um, melodies and pop hooks, and um, just 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 so excited, really.
1: So, would you, you know, as somebody that you know, as a singer songwriter, when you'd hear that, would you start to kind of work out, you know, what you liked about? Oh, there's a hook there. That's a hook. And like, you know, would you sort of almost deconstruct the songs and start to sort of work out how these pop songs were put together?
2: When I was younger, hmm. you mean. Do you know what? I think I did because I remember being, I remember being very aware of structure from a young age. So knowing that you would get, knowing that you'd have an intro and then you'd have like a a verse and then you'd have, you know, probably a pre-chorus that was like a little bit more exciting and it might be, you know, um, a third like I mean I didn't know it was a third above like whatever the melody was to start with but you know it'll be a little bit different and then that you get like a real main event in the chorus so I, I definitely tuned into that um and it helped that my mum was playing a lot of um gosh like yeah Dusty, Eva Cassidy, Aretha Franklin, Carol King, um Gina Ross and the Supremes, massive Motown compilations so I I I think I did tune into how songs were structured, but didn't necessarily know it at the time, I suppose. Yeah. It, it's, really, it's really strange. Um, and I've always been fascinated by, by pop hooks and how, um, I don't know, like how they can just, when you're writing as well, how they can just come out of nowhere and, and be really impactful. Um,
1: I, think, I think it's absolutely, so think, like, go so, on, Sorry
2: um yeah so just like to answer your question yeah I I think I probably did have some awareness and I I remember thinking to myself um probably about at about eight or nine thinking like oh how how might because I used to write poetry thinking how might I turn this into a song or how might I put a melody to this um but yeah it's really weird how then that just kept building and building to where you know the songs I'm putting out now, I suppose.
1: Um, well, I guess between school and, and uh, it's generally the point where you start going clubbing and, and um, for track <laughs> five, I mean, you're 26. <laughs> you've got every right to be clubbing constantly. Oh, no. Um, The, the song that soundtrack your years clubbing.
2: Yeah. So I, I did the majority of my clubbing to date. I mean, I wish I could be out, three nights a week now but lockdown um not saying that i would be if we weren't in lockdown but i'd certainly be going out a
1: yeah
2: yeah no i do feel like the later part of my 20s are like slowly being robbed by this horrible lockdown but, oh,
1: um, honestly abby my, my daughter's 18 uh, on wednesday is and, she? Uh, what are you gonna do why would you want to be 18 in the middle of lockdown, literally can't,
2: yeah.
1: can't go out at 18 on her birthday. Oh, Rubbish. Bless
2: her. That's, that's really tough because you d- yeah. you do just want to do something mental to mark the occasion. Of course. Um, of
1: course. Yeah. Oh,
2: bless her. Oh, happy birthday to her, <laughs> though.
1: Thank you. I'm sure
2: you can think of something equally of course, as special.
1: Of special. course. Yeah. Right. So I want um, to know a song.
2: Yeah. So <laughs> I've picked Starships by Nicki Minaj, which – like (laughs) I'm not a Nicki Minaj fan I don't it's not something I feel passionate about um but every time I hear this it takes me back to the summer of 2012 which is the summer I was 18 and I had a group of about I think there are about 20 of us in total um sort of extended group of mates from school and we sort of just stuck together um and probably about 12 or 13 of us would go out most Saturday nights to a club called Wahoo in Oxford which was a total shithole like a total sticky floored two expensive drinks um it's just a horrible horrible place but it was the place to go um and I just remember this being the song of that summer and it was you know when I started sort of going out about April as soon as I was 18 that was the song that would always be on. I think it came out like that February. Um, and it just reminds me of being stood in a circle with some of my closest mates that I'm still friends with now, um, you know, probably like eight Jager bombs down um, <laughs> wearing like not enough clothes and just having the time of our lives. Like we didn't even get hangovers because for some reason at it like, at 18 I could just drink anything and be like, oh, I think I'll have some of that now, which has now changed massively. Um, but yeah. And then, and then it also just became like the song of our summer holiday to Malia that summer. Of
1: course it was Malia. Um, which I'm ashamed.
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm so like ashamed to, yeah, admit that we went on this like massive, um, just like raucous holiday. But every time we hear it now, like say if we're sat in someone's mum's living room when we're all back, um, you know, if we've got like an old playlist on and this comes on and we're sort of halfway through a bottle of wine, it, it will be the difference between us having a civilised evening in it and then being like, fuck it, we're going out. Like, come on, let's go. <laughs> um, so it's it's quite nice. And it, and it just reminds me of that, how strong those friendships still are from all that time ago. And, you know, one thing I've noticed through my 20s is that people, people come and go in your life and not everyone is kind of like a permanent fixture which is you know whether it's love's lost or you know friends that you drift away from or whatever which is really which is really sad but it's this song is like a reminder of those enduring friendships that, that I've still got um so yeah just reminds me of my schoolmates and having good times and drinking too much Jager bombs
1: Well wonderful yeah. answer that's <laughs> a lovely answer um, oh. Okay, we're going back to Oxford. Favorite song from an artist from your home county. I mean, you've got some, you've got some good stuff there.
2: Yeah, I mean, um, so I've picked "Moving" by Supergrass because um, Supergrass actually went to my school. Although um, it it will have been years and years and years before me, and they've they've probably got like kids my age, if not a bit younger now. Um, but it was always a thing at school. Like it was always a thing. The school said like Supergrass went here, so you know, there's a great musical sort of trajectory for you this is the way you want to go um and I remember my brother having um the album that moving was on and I think pumping on your stereo is on the same album um I think he had it in like I think it was like 1999 and he had this like little blue mini that was his first car he just learned to drive um and I remember him playing it in there so it was it's so moving soundtracked a lot of my like car journeys when I was tiny and we had that newfound freedom where my brother could drive. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's strange because it, it reminds me of being able to get out and about because my, my mum didn't drive. Um, she still doesn't. So we relied on my dad a lot to get about, but he was always working and we grew up in this tiny remote village. So, um, as soon as my brother could drive, it was suddenly like this newfound freedom where we would, you know, go and visit my aunties and it sounds really st- really silly now but when you're a kid you're like oh this is so cool my yeah. big brother can drive um so moving reminds me of um having that close relationship with my brother when you know when i mean we still do but when we were when we were diddy um but also of the excitement that like you know this band had made it and they went to my school and i've got no idea who they are and you know i've never met them and i don't have a connection to them but cool like if they can if they can make it like maybe i can um so, um,
1: and they made it very yeah. young, very young. Like, I, I saw supergrass, they used to be called the Jennifers. Um,
2: pre, yeah, I vaguely know this, yeah.
1: And I saw them at a like a, an NME gig or something in, in, in London in the early, I suppose it would have been maybe '93, possibly. Um, and, and and my mates got a photo of that night, and Gaz just looks like. Just like it looks like he just literally finished school and walked straight from school oh and got gosh. onto the stage and, uh, and 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 to discuss moving a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. I mean that's that's a really like I think that's the song because the first the first supergrass out Monster Coke I think's an absolute masterpiece. I think supergrass is an incredible band. Full stop. Yeah. Uh, and we're literally in the process of. Playing again, and it was all happening for supergrass pre lockdown um and I was hoping to try and get to one of them shows, but moving for me it's quite a strange sounding song it's two songs to me it's like because that yeah. opening his voice is delicious and 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 just that you know them whole them long notes, and then it just drops to like a kind of like then like a jolting kind of but a stomper and it just i, I just yeah. think it's a, a a really good progression that song like i think it was possibly second album i'm not sure and and it it was it was in it for the money moving on it i'm sure i don't know but um
2: i don't know the chronology that much cuz i remember snapshots but
1: yeah, um, yeah. and I should know cuz i guess I'm 40, I'm 47. <laughs> I was kind of like in my prime then. You've got no yeah, need to know that. Striking. You're twenty-six. You probably were not even born. <laughs> <laughs> um but it's a it's a really like it's a proper game of two halves, that song. Do you know what I'm saying?
2: Yeah, no, I and that's what I love about it. It's, you know, you've got those sort of soaring strings and and really soft kind of um soft but kind of becoming louder vocals in, in those verses, and then suddenly and then like a crescendo before the chorus and then you just get this like funk breakout jam of where it's like really keys driven and some fun little pad on the keys. And, um, it just, I don't know, it just like really energizes me. Um, and the way it all, the way it all blends together as well, just, just blows me away. And I think combined with the nostalgia of that time, um, being, being tiny and, you know, having a lot of love for my big brother, um, just it just makes it a real winner for me so i'm oh, glad you like it too <laughs> oh, i love
1: it i love it you got some great bands there you know i mean I, I, again i'm of an age when i caught Supergrass early on I and mean, then obviously the radiohead you know thing was was huge and uh yeah and and ride you know ride are one of my favorite bands and they're, they're oxford boys there's a uh, there's a lot of good That's stuff the thing. Of Ride, uh, sorry, like it's oxford.
2: yeah like it's it's, it's weird thinking of bands that come out of Oxford because obviously you've got like Foles as well who were a real sort of you know contemporary for me. like when I was 13, 14 they were just they were playing these incredible shows at the what was the Carlin Academy and I'd end up at some of them. Um, yeah, like you say you've got Radiohead, um, glass animals as well, um, all sorts but it, yeah, supergrass just stuck out for me um, and that particular tune.
1: Great choice. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't easy. <laughs> Final song. You can play DJ mm. now. The song that many may not know that you would like them to hear, please, Abby.
2: Yeah, so I I struggled with this one as well because there was that there were kind of two that there were two that I was torn between. Um, one being like an old sort of soul tune, that I wasn't sure how big it was. Um, but as for something that's really resonating with me at the moment. Um, An artist I really admire is an Irish singer, songwriter, and now artist called Ruthann. And the song I've picked is called Take What I Can Get. And basically, I discovered her a couple of years ago on... I think I was on a flight to Berlin to see my friend, and I'd saved this random, like, discovery playlist on Spotify. And um, her song called... She had a single called Liquid, which popped up. It was a real melding of, like... um, old school soul, um, little bit of 90s R&B, but brought like really into the into the present with the production. Um, and so I, I started following her and she released her debut album, Matters of the Heart, late last year. So I think she's like in her 30s, but this is the first point where she's actually um, launched herself as an artist. Um, and she spent a lot of time writing for Massive Artists. So she's she's written for like a lot of big... Um, US and UK pop stars and had over the last couple of years just decided to sort of launch her artist career where she had all these songs that she wasn't using and she's a beautiful singer Um, and this particular song is so it's piano driven um, it's got these gorgeous backing vocals and it's kind of about feeling powerless when someone you love is quite obviously backing away Um, and yeah it's just I just find it really move in and really arresting and in it's she's a great role model for me because I feel like she really combines that like she cites you know Alicia Keys and Carole King and Aretha as among her influences um but then she's also she also kind of grew up through the 90s so she's got this real kind of modern twist on things as well and there aren't really many role models in a singing in a similar range as as I am for me to look up to, um, and the fact she's a little bit older than me as well kind of shows me like, wow, you can like you can be a soul star at any age. Like this is so you know this is really exciting. Um, so yeah, I just I just really admire her and particularly admire that song because it's just it's just incredible. There's real. It's such a kind of pop ballad, but there's so much substance to it. Um, and one particular arrangement that I love is um a video on YouTube and it's it's the song performed live at the church studios um with I think she's got like a string quartet in there and like four backing singers and it's just gorgeous the vocal is incredible so yeah for anyone that that admires any kind of soul music from like 60s to the present I'd say get get on it um because I don't think she's she's well known enough um she's definitely influenced me in this sort of chapter of starting to release more music so
1: well, people yeah. will get a chance to uh, listen to that because i'll put together a spotify playlist to accompany all of these podcasts so all of the tunes that we've been speaking about will be on there um abby before um before we come to a close let's um let's talk about the new record so it's out when
2: yeah so i will see you through um is out next monday so let so um I mean, as we're talking now, a week today, but by the time this gets live, it will be out in the world. 23rd of November, yep. yeah. Um, so I'm really, really excited. We've um, been putting in a lot of hard work to try and get it to as many ears as possible. Um, and like I say, it's just been lovely to have something to focus on at this strange time when we're all locked inside again. <laughs> um, so yeah, so a week today, that'll be out Um
1: uh, well, it's, you know, aside from the fact you're sitting in front of me, it's a wonderful record. It sounds so good. Uh, you should be Thank super, you. super pleased with it. It sounds amazing. Um, Thank you. And if people want to find out about um, what you're up to, Abby, where's the best place for them to, to come and check out what you're doing?
2: I would say probably to give me a follow on Instagram, which is um, the platform I probably use and update most. So I'm at Abby Farrell Music. Um, and yeah, so we've, we've got this song coming out next Monday and then another track called Empowered, which is going to be out early next year. Um, and excitingly, we should be following it up with a vinyl, like double single as well. Amazing. So there'll be something like tangible for, for people to to hold on to as well um so yeah so it's a really it's, it's a really exciting time and i'm feeling really grateful for the opportunities that are sort of coming my way at the minute um just got to keep writing more tunes so <laughs> yeah
1: wonderful abby it's been an absolute pleasure talking records with you thank you so I've much for your time i've loved it
2: <laughs> thank no thank you i've i've absolutely loved it it's, it's been brilliant and um yeah i'm really honored to be on your on your podcast so oh, best of luck with
1: everything thanks loads abby Thank you. There you go. How lovely was Abby? A wonderful chat. Uh, Honestly, I know I mentioned it towards the end. The new record is stunning. So ensure you go and have a little listen and get behind it. Buy it, stream it, share it, all of that stuff. And, uh, yeah, so thanks to Abby for that. Uh, Thanks for the introduction. So uh, to everybody at Big AC Records, keep an eye on that. Um, label. I'm sure there's going to be a whole wealth of exciting stuff coming from there because there's some there's some very very talented people in uh, in Nick's world and uh, and I look forward to hearing uh, the output from that label. Um, thanks to you lot for listening, and supporting. As I mentioned at the beginning, if you'd like to support this podcast, um, obviously every Monday and Tuesday and Friday you get your free episodes, but there is a Patreon as well, and uh, and there's a stack of shows there. So uh, if you'd like to support the podcast, um, head over to Patreon because it does help me to keep kind of putting out the amount of podcasts I'm doing at the moment. And you can find out about that and everything else to do with this podcast on Off OffTheBeatAndTrackPodcast.com. I'm back next time. Stay safe, lovely people. See you soon. Thanks again for listening. Bye-bye. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing, www.sosclothing.co.uk. Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year and they're based in Southend-on-Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15. B-E-A-T-1-5. And that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk Official sponsors of Off The Beat & Track Podcast. It's Off The Beat & Track Podcast. On the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me stew with it.
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus,